0: About 5 p.m. on Christmas Day 1927, Major James Rutledge, a pilot for Pacific Air Transport Company, took off from Fresno. Rutledge was transporting 15 bags of airmail to be delivered to Bakersfield. The flight from Fresno to Bakersfield took about an hour. When Rutledge reached the vicinity of the Bakersfield airfield, Bakersfield was in the midst of a significant weather event. Ground winds were fierce. The pilot circled the airfield, hoping the weather conditions would improve. But the winds remained strong, and the airplane's fuel supply was running dangerously low. Major Rutledge had to make a decision. He could land the plane and risk crashing, or... He could abandon the aircraft in flight and parachute to safety. Rutledge decided on the latter, but he didn't want to abandon the pilotless aircraft over a populated area. Rutledge banked north and flew in the direction of Shafter. Once he reached an area without too many structures, 2,500 feet above the ground, the pilot killed the airplane's engine, climbed out of the cockpit, and jumped Rutledge landed on a farm he suffered some cuts and bruises minor injuries compared to what could have happened if he crash landed to summon help Rutledge fired a pistol into the air a farmer discovered the battered pilot and called the sheriff's office when the crashed plane was located early the next morning all 15 bags of the air mail were recovered from the wreckage That was Christmas 1927. According to reporting from the Bakersfield Californian, this windstorm battered Bakersfield for an extended period of time, 36 hours. Interestingly, the Californian didn't report on wind speed, and there's no record of what that wind speed was, probably because those capabilities were unavailable in 1927. All we know is that the winds were strong, and they caused widespread damage throughout Bakersfield. It destroyed billboards, uprooted trees, knocked out electricity, and was the cause of many traffic accidents. Fifty years later, almost to the day, another windstorm battered the Bakersfield area in the southern San Joaquin Valley. That's the subject of this episode, the 1977 wind and dust storm. Most of Arvin blew through Bakersfield on its way to Fresno. That's how Don Hart, the mayor of Bakersfield at the time, described the 1977 wind and dust storm. If you lived in Bakersfield and are old enough to remember, this storm is something that undoubtedly stands out in your memory. As fall of 1977 was drawing to a close and most Bakersfield and southern San Joaquin Valley residents were preparing for the holidays, a wind and dust storm battered the area for three straight days. The calendar for 1977 is exactly the same as this year's. December 19th, 20th, and 21st fell on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just like this year. On Monday, December 19th, Bakersfield area residents woke up to typical December weather. There were forecasts that rain was headed for the region. But nothing in those weather reports foresaw what unfolded over the next 72 hours. During the night that Monday, an early Tuesday morning, the winds intensified. Many people woke up Tuesday morning prepared to go about life as normal as possible. They recognized the wind was fierce, but how bad could it get? To answer that question, pretty bad. As Tuesday morning wore on, it became apparent that things were going to be anything but normal. There was a period, a short period, where parents had to make a decision. Should they send their kids to school in this weather or keep them home? School administrators helped parents make those decisions by officially canceling classes for all Bakersfield area schools. This included classes at both Bakersfield College and Cal State Bakersfield. When it became evident that these winds were dangerous, deadly dangerous, businesses and government agencies began sending employees home and locking their doors. Highways shut down, including Kern County's most traveled, I 5 and Highway 58. Eleven years ago, local meteorologist Miles Musial compiled a list of the top 10 weather events in Kern County. At the top of Miles' list, at number one, was this December 1977 wind and dust storm. I recently talked to Miles about this record-breaking weather event that occurred 45 years ago this week. So you came to Bakersfield in 1990. And yes. how And how long were you here before you heard about the great 1977 dust storm?
1: Oh, a minute and a half. You know, I uh, that was one of the big things back then. And, um, of course, I, in uh, about 2011, I did a, a top 10 uh, weather events in, in Kern County piece for uh, the TV station. And uh, this, of course, was the number one. Uh, uh, everybody talks about this. They knew they know where they were at. It's sort of like um, like uh, JFK's assassination or 9-11 or something like that. You knew where you were when it happened. But because this was such a dramatic event. I mean, you had to be like in a coma to not know what was going on. You had to live in a cave uh, if you didn't know what was was happening. And so it was a big, big deal. Uh, the winds were gusting up to as high as, some estimates up to as high as 192 miles per hour, which is like, that would be like the, the strongest wind ever in California. Uh, the world record is like 246 miles per hour. But anyway, it was a very, very strong wind. And the thing that caused it was this this pressure gradient, of course, what what causes wind? Well, wind is uh, the, the flow of air from high pressure to low pressure. It always blows from high to low. It never blows from low to high. And so in this case, there was a huge high pressure system over looking at the weather map right now from uh, Tuesday, December 20th, 1977. There was a huge high pressure system over the Great Basin. Uh, temperatures were very cold. Uh, this was, uh, well, December. So this was actually the last day of autumn. And uh, the very high pressure over Utah and uh, uh, the Four Corners uh, was, uh, was pretty dramatic. And then in the Pacific, there was a deep low pressure system. So we, here we are right in that area, right between the big high and the big low, and that's where the winds really get stronger. The stronger the pressure gradient, in other words, the change of pressure uh, over an area, the stronger the winds blow. It's pretty much uh, linear like that. And if you consider the fact that the South Valley is surrounded uh, on three sides by mountains, we have the High Sierra to the northeast, we have Tehachapi Mountains to the southeast, and then we have the coastal range to the west, you have this little bowl thing. But also, it's it's an interesting fact that the winds, when they come down from Mount Pinos or from the Tehachapi Mountains, they accelerate. So if you already have a very uh, tight pressure gradient, you're going to have strong winds anyway. Uh, it's just accentuated, it is enhanced and embellished by this effect of the, the winds coming, what are, what's known as downsloping. Uh, there are two things that happen in mountainous regions regarding the weather. One is you can have a downslope, and what that means is that the wind is forced down the mountains, and as it comes down, it compresses, it gets warmer, it gets drier, where this was just the, the greatest or strongest event of this type. Uh, probably in recent history or in history of the past 1,000 years.
0: By late afternoon on Tuesday, December 20th, most of the region lost electricity. This, in turn, knocked most radio and TV stations off the air. With wind gusts reaching almost 200 miles per hour, windows were shattered throughout the area. The wind was so powerful that paint was sandblasted off cars and livestock was buried alive. I missed the storm. In 1977, I was living overseas with my parents. So I asked notorious Bakersfield listeners for their firsthand accounts. This is Carolyn Hutchinson recalling her experience going to school that morning.
2: Um, I just remember getting up and it being kind of a normal uh, morning for school, rushing around, getting ready. And um, that was kind of normal for my mom, though, like last minute type thing. So we. she may not have even known it was especially windy. I don't know. And we just got in this, the car and drove to school. And it was real windy, obviously. And I can remember my mom kind of like, oh, wow, I don't know if we should be out in this kind of, kind of thing. And uh, we just lived right down the street from my elementary school, which was uh, Castle Elementary School. As we pulled up, there was a procession of parents or whatever, dropping their kids off and the, um, or trying to drop their kids off. And the principal was out in the front with a look like, I kind of remember it being like a towel and he was just waving everybody to go home and mouthing, like, go home, go home. And then we just kind of drove through the parking lot and back home. And I I remember when, when I got back, my, my parents put um, wet rags all around the windows and the door bottoms of the doors. My mom said that she accidentally had left. My brother was a newborn, like baby, baby, baby. And, um, like maybe two weeks old. And she had him in his crib and didn't realize that his window was cracked in the bedroom. And when she went to go in and, um, check on him it hadn't been very long, and the whole room was just, like, completely full of dust. And they had to, like, like completely clean the room and, and, you know, obviously get him out of there.
0: Stephanie Lancaster was living in Shafter at the time. Here's her memories.
3: That would have been 11, um, getting ready to turn 12. So I remember vividly being in our living room. We lived in Shafter at the time. But I remember it was windy. It was already dusty. And, um, my mom said we didn't have to go to school. So we were like, Yay. <laughs> So we were in the living room watching TV. And as the day progressed, it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, and I remember looking out our front window and you literally, as like late in the afternoon, you could not see across the street. Um, it was, it was just brown. Um and I you know this was the 70s of course so we had um green shag carpeting and avocado green appliances and we had green drapes in the living room those really thick ugly drapes <laughs> so i remember my mom shutting those but my sister and i would go and peek cuz we wanted you know we wanted to see what it looked like outside it was it was getting kind of gross my dad actually worked in Bakersfield at the time so we were starting to get worried about him um cuz i think i think he got off work at 5 and by this time already i think the power was out and we were listening to the radio in the living room i remember we had a little transistor radio and we had it on Kathy um and we were listening to all the little news the news breaks in between songs. And then you could just tell, you know, the news stuff was getting lengthier and lengthier. And someone told my mom um, about wedding towels and putting those like at the, you know, the, the bottom of the doors and our window seals to keep all the dust out. So I remember helping her do that stuff. I remember it was really, really bad when we were expecting my dad to come home. I think he might have actually even come home a little bit early because he had to drive in from Bakersfield. My sister and I think my whole family, we all slept in the living room because we didn't have power. We had candles. I don't even remember what my mom made us for dinner, but I know it was something you know unusual, but probably a treat for us. Because we didn't, we still didn't have power. It was just gross and dusty. I don't remember, you know, remembering how gritty that was until after it was over, but it didn't end that day. It was like it went on into the next day. It was gross. And then we were hearing about all the accidents on the five. We were, of course, it was Christmas time. So we didn't go to school that day. I don't think we went to school the rest of that week. And then, we went right into Christmas Christmas vacation. We had been getting ready to head down south for Christmas, and when we were um, packing everything up, even you know a few days after the storm to to drive down to San Diego, we were getting presents from under the Christmas tree, and they were all full of sand that felt like sand. I remember wiping all that sand off before we were putting them in boxes or bags, you know, to put them in the trunk.
0: Pat Beatty worked in the oil fields during the windstorm. Here's Pat's memory of the 1977 dust storm.
4: We were working in Elk Hills. Very difficult to get to the rig, because we were driving out of Bakersfield. We used to always meet up at one certain place, and then everybody would ride together. and. We were working a midnight to eight shift. So the first night, the winds were very high, up 80 to 90 miles an hour, lots of dust. This day happened to be the driller's day to drive. So we went out 99 Highway. We came up Taft Highway. A Chevron station, just as you went over the overpass at Interstate 5 on Taft Highway, there was a Chevron station right on the right-hand side. We got right to that point, and it's still pretty much the same now. There's a lot of dirt fields over to the left, like on the south side of the road. And, I mean, the the, the view or the visibility was just absolutely atrocious. We couldn't – the driller just kind of made his way over toward that Chevron station because we all knew it was there. And said, "Look, I got to stop for a minute because it's getting terrible right here." So we stopped, and we sat there maybe ten or fifteen minutes, and and the winds kind of let up just a little bit. When the visibility improved just enough to where we could see out the left side of the vehicle, we had parked between the gas station and a a tanker truck that we couldn't even see it when we parked there. It was that bad. The rest of what we actually had to do for the next couple days and, and that night pick the bit up off bottom because we were on a drilling rig. We were on a so in order to give the, the rig itself more support, we would just keep the bit right off the bottom, and then that way the drill string would help stabilize the rig on the location so that it, the wind didn't have an opportunity to blow it, blow it over. Because it was a serious concern. They made us stay completely away from the rig. Just, you know, somebody walk up there and check on everything once in a while, but don't get up there around it if you don't have to. We did that for, I believe, two or three days. So we would have to drive home in it, too. And I can remember we came up Taft Highway and got on the freeway right there at, at Taft Highway and got on 99 and headed north, like about Ming Avenue. California where it's lower you know the the freeway is down there we were driving down that area a garage door come flying over the top of our car above because we were down in the gap it was I mean you could see it it had blown off somebody's house and was sailing like a kite
0: Winds were so powerful, they took down one of the huge pine trees in the center median of Truxton Avenue. It's estimated that this storm caused $40 million in property damages. And that's not including agricultural losses. And remember, this was just days before Christmas. With retail businesses being forced to lock their doors during these days leading up to Christmas... Those losses, those sales losses, are immeasurable. Brock's department store in downtown Bakersfield had a 95% drop in sales compared to the previous year. Brian Parks was a young man employed with Hall Ambulance. He worked non-emergency transportation for the company. But during the storm, he volunteered to help out the emergency crews.
5: We were riding around uh, town, going to various calls. There was a lot of people calling with uh, um, uh, respiratory distress. And I remember one in particular was, I believe, in Arvin. And so we were taking the the road from Greenfield out to Arvin. And I remember I I could lean forward and look out the windshield a little bit. And then there were some side windows. And I could see the power lines were down. And dancing on the roadway with sparks—I mean, just like in a movie or something—except that there was just this wind, you know. There, and so the the red lights were circling and flashing off of the off of the sand in the air, and then I could see the sparks on the road. That was very dramatic. Then uh, I remember another call was in Bakersfield. On Monitor Street right off of White Lane, just south of White Lane, a car had careened off the roadway and kind of flipped on its side and was beside a house. And so the um, uh, fire department was there and they kind of uh, uh, turned the car over and the guy was trapped between the seat and the, the sidewall. And so we kind of extricated him from there, but he was already dead.
0: Sadly, that was one of five storm-related deaths. All five of those deaths occurred as a result of traffic accidents caused by high winds, poor visibility, or traffic lights being out. In these types of circumstances, there's always going to be a small fraction of the population that takes advantage of the situation. There were a few reports of looting, mostly to 7-Eleven stores, and Rose's Italian restaurant on Columbus in northeast Bakersfield was burglarized. But by and large, most citizens of Bakersfield were well-behaved many rising to the occasion to offer a helping hand. Accounts of people helping out neighbors and good Samaritans doing kind deeds far outnumbered the negative stories. Countless motorists were stranded at restaurants at the base of the grapevine. Flags Restaurant near the grapevine lost electricity and a window was blown out. With the help of patrons, the manager was able to board up all the windows in the restaurant. Once that task was completed, they made candles out of salad oil, prepared sandwiches, and served hot coffee until it ran dry. When flags ran out of coffee, their nearest competitor, the ranch house restaurant, stepped up. The ranch house had gas stoves and was able to supply hot coffee for both restaurants. By the third day of the storm, as the winds started to subside, electricity and telephone services began to be restored. Once that happened, news of this destructive storm started getting out to the rest of the world. Governor Jerry Brown declared both Bakersfield and Arvin disaster areas. The storm also took a toll on the health of Kern County residents. The following year, Kern County Public Health Services recorded a 61 percent spike in valley fever cases from the previous year. The spread of valley fever cases wasn't contained to this region. There were cases of valley fever reported as far north as Sacramento and the San Francisco Bay Area. Another residual effect from this storm, an unusual one, can be witnessed today in and around the outskirts of Bakersfield. During the storm, as Mother Nature battered our city, a bird aviary was damaged. Winds ripped off portions of the structure that housed the Happy Bird aviary. As a result, a number of rose-ring parakeets escaped. Today, there are an estimated five to 800 Wild parakeets thriving in Bakersfield. Flocks of these birds can be seen in the Oleander neighborhood, Bill Park, Jastro Park, Alta Vista, Hart Park, and areas along the Kern River. Thanks to Miles Musio for taking the time to explain to me how this storm took shape, and thanks to notorious Bakersfield listeners Carolyn Hutchinson, Stephanie Lancaster, Pat Beatty and Brian Parks for sharing your memories from 1977. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield, Californian. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. I'll be back next year with another Notorious Bakersfield story.